I want to welcome everyone signing on with us on Facebook Live right now or later or on our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Let's get back to our seats, everyone. Come on back. We got a crew in the house today. This is fun. This is fun. All right, it's my great joy to welcome you today. My name is Josh Houston. I'm one of the pastors here. Last Sunday, we began our September sermon series. We're talking about money this month. We're talking about money. We're talking about our relationship with and to wealth. And it's important because maybe more than anything else, the way we relate to money reveals the posture of our hearts. So we want to delve into this. Um, How human beings use money is an expression of our character. It's an expression of what truly matters to us because what we value determines what we relate to and how we spend our money. So last week I spoke about mammon, this weird, this weird word wealth um, in scripture and our relationship to wealth, that we can have both God and wealth, but we cannot serve both God and wealth. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed that sermon last week. The rest of this month we're covering tithing today, money and feelings next week. And practical money management the week after that because some people just don't know how to use money. And we need to push back against that. God intends us to to steward our finances well. So we're going to do practical money management. It's going to be good. It's going to be applicable. So even if you can't be here, I encourage you to jump on and watch the Facebook Live or catch up on the podcast. Today, tithing. And to start, I would like for you to imagine yourself walking into a church for the first time. Maybe you've never been to church before. Um, a friend invites you. you. You join. You're like, yeah, sure, I'll tag along. The gathering has been enjoyable. Nothing has been too weird yet. And at one point, the pastor starts, he gets up and he starts talking about tithing. And your ears perk up because you realize he's talking about money here. And he informs you that tithing is this common practice among Christians where they bring 10% of everything they make. They give it to the church. Um, and, and, they, and they do this consistently. And as you look around... You realize nobody's phased by this. Everybody seems like this is pretty normal. And you think to yourself, wow, I mean, if all these people donate 10% of their income to this place every single month, this, this must be a pretty good place. So, so you, you know, you, you enjoy the rest of the gathering and, and the attendance is, is, is pretty solid. And you're like, you know what, I actually want to come back to this place. So you come back the next week. And then you come back the next week. And then you start using language like our church to friends And you maybe start inviting other people. And maybe one day you make a financial gift to your church. And then one day you start consistently tithing at your church. And you're proud of yourself. And your friends are proud of you. And and your pastor's proud of you. And it's maybe a random Tuesday at your home. And you're washing dishes. And you wonder to yourself, you know, I love my church. I'm glad that I've, I've challenged myself to start tithing consistently. My pastor's a great guy or a great gal. And I, I respect that their, their understanding of Scripture. And I've been told that tithing is a command in Scripture. But I've never actually read it anywhere. Does the Bible actually require followers of Jesus to tithe? And I want to pose that question to you. Have you ever asked that question to yourself before? And I want to address it today. And, and hear this. I hope to illustrate before you leave scripturally, why tithing is optional if you're a follower of Jesus. And here's my plan. I want to talk about this word tithe and where it came from and why we keep talking about it and why you should seriously think through ever tithing again. Today, I want to preach a sermon entitled Tithe Optional. And right out of the gate, 
I want to acknowledge that for many people, once a pastor, sorry, that's the fan, or the Holy Ghost, whoa, right? Hey, <laughs> I want to acknowledge right out of the gate that once a, for some people, once a pastor starts talking about money, once they start talking about tithing, walls start going up. Money is a sensitive topic. In fact, many pastors won't even go near it. They don't want to offend people. They don't want to like, make people think, I'm just greedy. I just want your money, so I'd rather just not even touch it. The problem with that approach is that giving is a heart issue. It's not a money issue. So to avoid talking about giving altogether, it disables a church from becoming a generous community. So I think giving and finances have to be talked about in the church if we want to live into the way of Jesus. However, I probably don't have to explain to anyone here how ministers have used and abused their spiritual authority to manipulate, to intimidate people and guilt them into giving money into their church and into their ministry. And maybe you've been part of a church where you heard a pastor say that if you're not tithing consistently, you're being disobedient to God, that it doesn't matter if your finances are tight, how many bills you have, how much debt you have. In fact, okay, maybe we could change something the second time. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Sorry. Maybe you heard a pastor say that. In fact, if money's too tight for you, you should open up a credit card and start tithing consistently on that credit card because you don't want to be living in disobedience to God because that's a scary place to live. Maybe you felt pressure from a spiritual authority that says you need to give 10% of all you make to their church and, their, and to their ministry, and if not, you should be living in fear. Now, maybe you've had a great experience when it comes to churches and money. Maybe you've had a great experience when it comes to a pastor and money, and the way they talked about it, they honored God and they honored you, and if you did, consider yourself blessed. Because there's a lot of people with deep trust issues when pastor, because of pastors' relationship to and communication about finances. So I want to acknowledge that from the get-go. If you have wounds when it comes to the church regarding money, you do not need to apologize for feeling skeptical at all. If you've been hurt by a church or a ministry dealing with money, I'm sorry. If you've been hurt by our church when it comes to dealing with money, I'm sorry. While the church is God's partner in redeeming the world, it's also made up of really broken people. That's what makes the church beautiful. We're not fixed yet. Because if the church was, was fixed, there wouldn't be anybody in the church, right? It's made up of a bunch of broken people choosing to walk life together. So if you have red flags popping up as I'm starting to talk about money, and your brain and heart right now are going, minister, church, money, run, get out of the room, leave right now, I want, I want to gently express to you, I'm not going to emotionally manipulate anyone or anything this morning. Guilt and pressure and fear should not be part of this conversation. What I want to do today is I want to help paint a picture of what the Bible actually teaches regarding giving. Tithe, where does this word come from? Who decided on 10%? What does Jesus actually say about tithe? What is actually expected of us? If you've, if you've never asked questions like this, you should start asking questions like this. If you have asked questions like this, awesome, keep doing it. Because money really matters. It's so important that we're intentional about what we do with our wealth. I want to address these issues today. And to set it all up, what I want to first do is go backwards. You see, for the, for the modern church to understand and grasp our responsibility to fund the future of the church, we have to understand where we came from first. We have to understand how the church related to finances before. 
how the people of God for thousands of years have related to money and wealth. Because the instruction of Jesus and the instruction from the writers of Scripture that followed him, they all build on this long-standing tradition that came before them. So I want to ask you for a moment to follow with me. Follow me as we travel backwards to understand how we move forward. Does that make sense? And this whole conversation, it sits in the framework of covenant. There's an old covenant God makes with the nation of Israel and a new covenant he makes with all people. It's two pieces I, w- I want you to sit with. There's, there's an old covenant God makes with the nation of Israel and there's a new covenant he makes with all people. Old covenant first. In the Old Testament, in the Bible, we read about a covenant that God makes with a man named Abraham. If you're not aware, everything that the church has become today It finds its roots in the covenant God made with this man named Abraham. In fact, the three core monotheistic religions of the world, they find their roots in Abraham. Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Abraham is the father of our traditions. Hence the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Do you remember that? It's because it's true. He's the father of it all right here, right? And I find it fascinating that God establishes covenant with Abraham by saying this, I want to make your family into a nation. Abraham, I want to make your family to a a nation, and I want to make you so massive. I want to bless you so much. I want to give you so much unmerited favor into your life. But the purpose of me blessing you is so you can bless those around you. That's the point. This is not for your gain. This is not for your enhancement of your life. It's so you can enhance the lives of those people around you. And so Abraham agrees to this covenant. He receives it. And then that covenant gets passed to his kid, Isaac, and it gets passed to his kid, Jacob. I don't know if you know if you're familiar with the Jacob story, but at one point, Jacob gets his name, his name, he gets renamed by God to Israel. Okay, this is where it gets important. You following? Eventually, the descendants of Israel, they wind up in Egypt, and they're all slaves to this man, Pharaoh. And maybe you've heard this story. God calls Moses to go free the, the children of Israel from Pharaoh. He walks in, let, let my people go, right? Ten plagues, parting of the Red Sea, the whole fun story, right? It's a good one. If you haven't read it, go read Exodus. It's a great book. And after the centuries of slave labor, the people of Israel are finally free to be a nation. They're finally free to be an independent nation. And this is where the Ten Commandments come into play. Moses goes up on a mountain, spends some time with God, comes down with two tablets, right? And these Ten Commandments are important because what they do is they provide the framework for the covenant that God makes with his people. It's kind of like a national charter. God essentially says, you guys have been slaves in Egypt for so long, you don't know how to relate to each other anymore. You don't know how to relate to me anymore. So I want to provide some healthy boundaries for what it looks like to be in a faith community. Ten commandments. You guys with me? I know, I know we're going way backwards, but it sets the, it sets the foundation for what we're gonna, how we're going to go forward. So here's what happens, though. Ten commandments evolve over time, and more and more get kind of added to the list. And eventually, they don't just have 10 commandments, they have 613 laws, the Torah. 613 laws that the people of Israel must abide by as part of the covenant that God makes with the nation of Israel. And can you guess what was part of the 613 laws? Tithe. It was a kind of tax, actually. It was, it was, like, it was a due to be part of the nation of Israel. And here's what they were required to give for. They were required to give 10% of everything they made, 
livestock, agriculture, produce. And the tithing, the tithe was for three things. It funded the ministry of the priests, it funded the required festivals, and it covered the needs of the people. It cared for the needs of the people, like poor people. So tithe was introduced as part of this old covenant that God made with the nation of Israel. And it funded the priests. First of all, the priests, because their sole responsibility was to care for the community, the spiritual health and vitality of the community. They worked in the temple. They could not own land. They did not work fields. Their job was to care for the spiritual health of the people. So the nation covered their costs. They, they cared for them. And then they, covered the, they funded the national festivals that they had to do. And then they cared for the nation of the, of the poor in the nation. It's basically the welfare or the social security system of ancient Israel. This is what tithe helped do. That makes sense? Follow on? I know I'm going quick, but I want to go through this. This is our tithing origins right here. This is where it came from. It's part of the old covenant. Now what the modern church has done, I just want you to hear this. It's taken three concepts and extracted one part of a three-part national duty. The church builds its concept of tithing today on the first do. What happens is pastors and, and often their staff are seen as the priests, seen as, as the, the Levite tribe. It's kind of like myself. My full-time job is to care for the spiritual health of this community. I don't have another job. I don't go work the field, right? My job is to care for this. my full-time job here. Now, here's what's interesting. When we get to the New Testament, we don't really read anything about tithing. Once you get to the New Testament, here's what you find. A whole bunch about generosity, and we're going to get there in a second. But no specific instruction regarding the tithe. You see, when Jesus comes in on the scene, he changes up the game. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, you're probably familiar with the language of the New Covenant. Jesus invites his followers into a new covenant that builds off the old. So he, sa- he doesn't say, hey, I'm throwing out the old covenant. It's, it's like he's standing on the shoulders of this longstanding tradition. I'm going I'm to invite you into a new way of being in the world that stands on the old covenant. Because of the life of Jesus, because of the ministry of Jesus, because of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, followers of Jesus are invited into this new way of life, this new way of existing in the world. Jesus offers forgiveness of sin. Therefore, everyone gets full access to God all the time. This is good news. This is why it's called the gospel. This is good news. This is the new covenant. Jesus offers forgiveness of sin and everyone gets access to God all the time. So, spiritual authority is necessary, but it no longer grants you freedom or access to God. You can know God intimately and personally without having someone else to go to God for you anymore. Nobody has to mediate between the two of you, which also means this isn't just about Israel anymore. This is about everybody. Everybody gets invited to this party. This is what Jesus accomplishes with his death on the cross. This is what he accomplishes with his resurrection out of the tomb. So when we read the New Testament, there is a blatant distinction between New Testament and Old Testament, New Covenant and Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was a law. It was law. It was Torah with the nation of Israel. New Covenant is grace, and everyone's invited to this party. We're part of something new now that offers us new life, that offers us new power We're no longer under the law of the old covenant, and tithing was part of that covenant. The new covenant does not command tithing. However, if you're paying attention to the New Testament, if you read the New Testament and you pay attention, here's what you find. If you want to follow Jesus, 
Tithe is optional, but radical generosity is a command. I want this to sink for a second. It is hard to miss this. If you are reading the New Testament and you're paying attention, tithe is optional, but radical generosity is a command. You see, some people want to play the Old Covenant, New Covenant game. I've seen them play it. Ah, you know, tithing is an Old Testament thing. We're part of this New Covenant thing. But they want to play this game to, to, to justify being stingy. You don't get to play that game. I mean, because technically, sure, it's true. But if you want to interpret wealth, if you want to interpret giving through a New Testament lens, you're probably going to be, end up giving more, more than 10%. Because Scripture is very clear. If you want to follow Jesus, tithing is optional, but radical generosity is not. That comes with the package. So what does the New Testament say about giving? This is going to be fun. I want to walk you through some of this. You read through the Gospels. You frequently find Jesus in conversation with people talking about money. He loved to talk about money. And he said things like this. When you give. That wasn't if you give. He said when you give. And he said when you give to the poor. And he said, when someone asks you to give, or when somebody asks you for something, give it to them. And he also said, not only give, but at one point he said, give all you have. And he said, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And he also said this, this is so good. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. These are just a few examples of Jesus' thoughts on money. And if you want more, I just suggest picking Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and just go for it. You'll find him talk about money in there. But my bet is pretty quickly, you're going to see that Jesus expected his followers to be very generous. Like outrageously generous. And then if you keep reading past the Gospels, you're going to see what the other writers of the New Testament started saying about money as well and giving. They wrote things like this. Don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God. Because he's the one that provides for you. They said, be rich in good works, be generous, and be willing to share what you have. And I love the story in Acts. They said, there were no needy people among the followers of Jesus. From time to time, those who owned land and those who owned houses, they sold them. And they brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet. And the money was distributed to everybody that had need. That's crazy. Like, that's crazy generous. If you read the, the New Testament and you, you miss the generosity piece, it's because you were trying to miss the generosity piece. It's blatant. Followers of Jesus are expected to be outrageously benevolent people, to give generously. And the New Testament expresses three core reasons for giving. To meet the needs of ministers, to meet the needs of other followers of Jesus, and to meet the needs of the poor. This is what you see. This is the New Testament on giving right here. This is why we do it. That we are expected to give, that's not in question. Whether or not we're expected to give, that is not in question. The New Testament is really clear on that one. What Christians tend to argue about these days is the how much question. How much are we supposed to give? As followers of Jesus now in the New Covenant, how much are we supposed to give? And funny enough, Paul is actually really clear on that one too. This is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. I'm going to put this one up. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having everything that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is so important we get this. Paul does not instruct how much to give. He doesn't give them a fixed percentage. He doesn't give them a standard, a baseline of obedience. He directs them to give what they have decided in their hearts to give. And this is why, candidly, I could care less if you never tithe again. Because tithing centers on a number, and radical generosity centers on catching the heart of Jesus. It's a critical distinction. Tithing centers on a number, and radical generosity says, I want, I want to center my life and my vision of my life on your heart, Jesus. You see, when we engage in radical generosity, we enter into this divine flow. The, the essence of the Trinity, God is Father, Son, and Spirit. The essence of who he is is self-sacrifice. The stuff that makes up God is outrageous generosity. So when you give, you enter into his divine flow. When you give, you align your heart with the heart of Jesus. And Jesus is adamant about giving. But he allows the how much question to be personalized to our story, to our seasons, to our conversations with him. So don't ever allow someone else to, to, to intimidate you or manipulate you to give out of guilt or compulsion. There should be no compulsion in giving. That decision should be made in conversation with you and the Holy Spirit. And the amount we give should be proportionate to our means. It should be proportionate to how God has blessed us. So is tithing a bad thing? No. I've done it my entire life. I actually believe in it. And I believe God has blessed me profoundly because of this discipline. I've made a commitment to God. Amanda and I have made a commitment to God that the first thing I do, we do whenever we receive any income, is we give 10% back to our local church. I've always done that, as far as I can remember. And it has radically shaped my faith and my trust in God. He's proven himself faithful again and again and again to me through this discipline. But please hear this. Tithing in and of itself is good, but it's not generosity. Tithing is a spiritual practice to help shape a generous heart because it's very possible to be a consistent tither and never deal with your greed. To never challenge your lust for more acquiring. I just want to get more. I just want to get more. You can consistently tithe in attempts to manipulate God to give you the life that you want. If I get favor because I tithe, I'm going to tithe so that God will make my life what I want it to be. That's not how this works. You can consistently tithe because you're afraid of not tithing. God's going to take his hand of blessing off of me. Sounds like you just want a comfortable life more than you do actually obedience to God here. You can tithe for a lot of wrong reasons. Tithing does not make one generous. So to be frank, I don't, I don't care if we throw out tithing. I just really don't. Completely get rid of the 10% number. Who cares? As long as we don't throw out radical generosity. Because this is what Jesus is truly about. And I, need to th I think we need to ask ourselves honestly if our giving could be described as radically generous. I mean, based off the stats I've read, about 80% of the American church, 80% of American churchgoers give 2 to 3% of their income to their church or to local charities or national charities. And they tend to be horrible tippers. <laughs> right? Anybody that works in food or drink or anything like that will say amen to that probably, Right? You see a church group come up to your table and you're like, oh, man, I don't want that table, right? I've heard, I've heard the stories about it, right? 
given that most Americans are the wealthiest people on the planet and that our standard of living is so much higher than than the global average and that we're surrounded by literally people that are dying, we need to seriously question whether or not our our generosity is generosity, if it's outrageous, if it's radical at all. And again, this is not about guilting. It's not about shaming. This is, I'm not trying to lasso emotions right now. I simply think that if we're keeping 90% of our wealth for ourselves, it reveals something about our priorities. Jesus doesn't seem to care if we tithe. What he cares about is the formation of our hearts. He longs for us to be generous as he is generous, sacrificial as he is as sacrificial, cheerful givers like he is a cheerful giver. He hopes that we catch a vision that's greater than the American dream. Because the American dream, like I talked about last week, has pretty much become greed. It's okay. I mean, Jesus longs for something greater than just getting the life you want. He's, He's inviting us into this new life with new power. He wants us captivated by his life. He wants, he wants to set us free through a lifestyle of generosity. So when it comes to giving, if you feel led by the Spirit of God to give 5% consistently, and you could do that with a cheerful heart, awesome. If you feel led by the Spirit of God to give 10% consistently, and you could do that with a cheerful heart, awesome. If it's 20%, Awesome. Giving has almost nothing to do with your money and almost everything to do with your heart. Who are you becoming? And is it more like Jesus? Or is it less like him? Now, I do want to shoot straight with you for a second. In order for the church to do what it does, to continue ministry, to meet the people, the needs of the people in our church and in our city and beyond our city, the church needs to be filled with generous givers. It's just how it works. Every local church needs a community of people committed to faithfully and consistently giving to that local congregation. Because without that, we don't have churches. We have the church. Followers of Jesus will always exist. I believe that. But if people don't give to the local church, we don't have local churches. Because the government is not paying for our rent here. And you guys probably know L.A. could care less if we closed our doors tomorrow. And we don't have some crazy rich donor who's just throwing money at us to enable us to care for the needs of our people here and, treat and, 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 and cause good and wholeness in our city. Churches exist because people give. It's just, I'm just being frank. Now you might be thinking, there it is, I was waiting for it. Asking for our money. But hear my heart. If you have a problem with me and you don't trust me, I'd rather you go find a pastor and a church that you do trust. Go tithe there. Go give there. Go be generous there. If you take issue with a pastor in general, go give to a nonprofit of your choice. I'm just trying to take the excuses out from being generous. We love to make excuses and justify our stinginess. Just throw it out. I don't really care where you give it. You You want to be generous or not? Because giving has almost nothing to do with your money and almost everything to do with your heart. Our city needs the church. Not just our church. I think it needs our church, but it's not just our church. It needs the church. It needs the church on mission, bringing hope and meeting needs and offering renewal and inviting people into wholeness. This is what the church does. And it happens in part by way of generous followers of Jesus deciding to make a difference. 
So please, this is so important, please don't use you not trusting a pastor or a church to justify being stingy. It's not a good enough excuse. Now maybe you're thinking it's just money's too tight. I can never start giving right now. Not with all the bills, not with all the debt I have. Again, please don't go open up a credit card and start giving. That's just dumb, okay? Please don't do that. But I'd like to challenge you to find a way to give a small sacrificial amount consistently and let God transform your heart in that giving. There's a story of, of a woman in scripture that has almost nothing, and she goes to the temple and she gives it. And Jesus says, God honors that gift far more than the, than the, the huge, generous gifts because she gave all she had. She didn't have anything, but she gave what she had. Because giving has almost nothing to do with your money and everything to do with your heart. Here's the other thing, though. I've been in church my entire life. Like, my mom went into labor with me in a small group. I'm a pastor's kid, went to ministry school. I've been pastoring for 10 years. I cannot count the stories, the amount of stories that I've heard from friends, from loved ones, of people who started tithing, who started radically, generously giving when they were afraid they would not make ends meet, and then God radically showed up in their lives. I cannot count the stories. I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to tell you one of them, and it's a little bit more personal. When I was in college, I used to work at the Virgin Megastore, you know, music and all that stuff. I used to work there in Orange County. There was this, there was this friend of mine. Her name was Michelle. She was Catholic, and we would often talk in the break room together. She knew I was training to be a pastor, so she would bring questions about Scripture and stuff. She said, what do you think about tithing one day? I was like, oh, man. Well, here's my thoughts on it. And she said, well, I would love to. I think it's awesome. Uh, I just don't have the money. And in that moment, God, he whispered something to my heart, and I was like, dang it. And I knew I had to be obedient. This is what came out of my mouth. Michelle, I want you to go back to your church on Sunday. Tithe what you made off of your last check. And if that money doesn't come back to you in a month, I'll pay you back. And her eyebrows did what all of yours just did right now. She said, are you for real? I was like, I believe in it that much, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks later, me and Michelle are working. I think it was a Thursday night. Our boss comes out with checks from the safe. Here's yours, here's yours. Michelle, you have two checks. And Michelle's like, what? And she's like, I don't, my boss, she's like, I don't know. She, corporate sent an extra check for you. Open the first one, it was her paycheck. Open the second one, it was to the dollar what she tithed. She opened it up, tears start coming down. She huge hug me. And my boss is like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Stories like this, I'm not joking, too many to count in my lifetime, happening on the back end of an extremely generous and sacrificial financial gift. Raises, promotions, random gifts, massive opportunities, surprise favor from God, seriously too many to count. In fact, I actually heard one from a friend this week. I was getting coffee with somebody. He's like, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm tithing, on tithing. And he's like, I need to tell you this. This year, my wife and I started tithing to our church again because we took a break because money was tight. It was just so tight, and we really felt like God called us to. And he said, we started tithing. He does freelance um, entertainment industry stuff. He goes, now from, now from when, we, when, I, when we started tithing to now, I'm making three times more money than I was. And I, I got to be honest, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> 
This is the kind of stuff God does when we trust him with our money. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you start giving 5% or 10% or 20%, you're going to get a raise or you're going to get a promotion or someone's going to give you a car. It's not prosperity gospel. But hear again what Jesus says regarding giving and generosity and wealth. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I think like you put a box and you're just like pushing everything down as far as you can. I'm going to push as much into this thing as I can. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus says, you can trust me. Scripture is blatant all the way through. God is your source. Not your boss, not, the jo- not your job, not the economy. God is your provider. And when you give sacrificially, when you step out in faith, and you give generously in the church and beyond the church, We can trust that he will take care of us, always. God is faithful. He's faithful. I want to invite Jackie back up for kind of a concluding worship song. Here's how I want to close. Interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, tithing is the one thing God dares people to test him on. It's really interesting. It's under the old covenant, sure, but he told them. This is what God says. Test me in this. Bring your whole tithes and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't have room enough to store it. Test me. And while the percentage of the gift, gift I think, is irrelevant now, the principle is still the same. The principle is the same. God says, test me. I dare you. Give sacrificially, give outrageously generous, and see if I won't bless you. See if I won't come through for you. In church, I believe so strongly in this principle. I believe so strongly that we are to be a community and a people that are to be like God, generous as he is generous. And I want to offer you today a generosity challenge. I want to challenge you to take some time this week and sit down with Jesus and ask him, what's the number, God? A percent or just or a straight number. And here's my challenge for you. If you give that amount over the next two months and in two months you're unsatisfied by your decision, I will return your money to you. Say, what? Yeah, I'm serious. I want you to pray about a number. Ask God, what should I give to and through the church here? Pray about a number, and, and if you've never given before, say, God, just can you put something on my heart, whether it's a percentage or a number, and give here for two months. The number really doesn't matter. What matters is your heart. What matters is the desire and the posture to be transformed by God. If you're already giving here, awesome. Can you step it up sacrificially? Ask God, what number? on top of what I'm already giving. And if you want your money back in two months, I'll write you a check personally. I'll just, I'll write you a reimbursement check. Why am I offering this challenge? First, because I deeply believe in the work that we do here. We're partnering with Jesus in his ministry of renewal. We help bring wholeness to our city and beyond our city. We're meeting real people with real stories, with real pain, with the hope of Jesus. And it takes money. So I want to ask our church family, take part in the sacrifice. Let God shape our hearts together as he uses us to change the world. And secondly, I just trust God. I really do. I trust he will come through for you. 
And I'm already excited about the stories I'm going to hear. God has proven himself faithful and provider again and again to me and to people I know and I love. So pray about a number, step out in faith, and I'll carry the risk for you. And I bet you God shows up. I don't know how, but I bet you he shows up. Given him opportunity. Give God an opportunity to prove himself faithful and provider to you and watch him show up in your life. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for our people. Thank you for our church. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in what you're doing in our hearts. And I pray in this moment that you would soften us to your work. Again, not to make this about money, God, but to make this about becoming more like you, someone who can hold wealth loosely, who can hold our privilege loosely, God, and elevate others because of our blessing. God, that we can rise up like Abraham, who was blessed to be a blessing unto others. So I I pray as, as your church seeks you, God, that you would speak to them and that as they step out in faith, that you would show off like you always do, God. Show yourself faithful. Show yourself provider. We ask this in faith in your name, Jesus.